Hello everyone and welcome to The Stagey Place, the podcast where we here chat to those who work behind the scenes in theatre, from writers to directors, producers to designers. And on today's episode, we have a very familiar voice as our guest. If you are an avid listener to the podcast, you'll know that there are a couple of hosts here who present The Stagey Place. That's myself, Emmy, Joseph, and this week's guest, Sam Pout who is taking off his hosting hat and putting on his guest hat as he is the writer of Fisheye, which is coming to the Omnibus Theatre as part of their first season, focusing on artificial intelligence. Now, Sam is the writer of Fisheye, which is playing from the 4th until the 9th of July, and this was a really exciting interview. Being able to talk with Sam, this was actually the very first time that we've had a Zoom call and actually chatted about the show and just each other, which has been really lovely. And what's really exciting about this episode is if you're an avid listener to the podcast, you'll know that Sam doesn't really know where his stage place is. There's probably a lot of places for him that stick in his mind. But today we'll find out the definitive answer to whereabouts Sam Pout's stagey place is. So without any further ado, here is episode 107 with this week's guest, writer Sam Pout of Fisheye. Hello, Sam, and welcome to The Stagey Place. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you, Elliot. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Now, listeners may recognise your voice because for those of you who don't know, Sam is one of our other hosts on the podcast on The Stagey Place. But today I have the luxury of interviewing you, Sam, because you are bringing Fisheye, a play which you wrote, to the Omnibus Theatre from the 4th until the 9th of July. Sam, how are things going at this stage in the process? Things are going really well. Yeah, it's a really nice process. It's a really interesting play. I mean, I know I've written it, (laughs) but there's a lot going on in it. So it takes a while for like all everyone in the cast to like be on the same page with it. And if they are on different pages, then it's just about kind of understanding each other's pages or whatever. The process has been really nice. And Rosa, the director's kind of like had all these great ideas with the design and kind of like what what the sound's going to be like and everything so it's really exciting it's been bumpy (laughs) but um what rehearsal process is never bumpy no so but yeah it's good it's it's proper theater proper theater is is always bumpy isn't it yeah exactly and it makes it memorable as well and you know by the end of the process on the 9th of july after you finished this version of the show at the omnibus theater you can obviously learn from the process, but also a process, if it's too if it's too plain sailing, it just doesn't feel right. There's gotta be stuff yeah. that goes. Yeah, exactly. Like it is it is interesting. I mean, it is hard to make theatre, isn't it? And yeah. I think you need to make theatre to really appreciate how hard it is and how lucky you are to be making it, which is really important. And so it's it's all very well kind of like being an audience member and you could turn up for an hour make an opinion and then leave but like it's always really important to like really understand how much goes into it and it, it's a lot it, a lot yeah. goes into it and I think there's a, I think there's a lot of that conversation happening at the moment I see a lot today about whether or not we should get rid of star ratings when we do our reviews and stuff and a lot of people talking about stuff I don't know in the intervals or like straight after the shows and not really taking into account cast and creatives involvement and it does take a lot behind the scenes like you say like they're bumping the roads probably for every production but people only see one hour of the finished thing and then get to make a decision (laughs) 
for sure i yeah i think i have a i have a funny opinion of stars i think i get why they're a thing and why they're needed and i think it is interesting to have them but i think it's you can't compare shows especially like for example my show at the omnibus fisheye or like dear england on at the national at the moment like if i get four stars or whatever if i'm lucky and if James Graham also gets four stars, like, how could you compare? You can't. You no. can't compare. It doesn't really make sense. And so I think I th- I think it is important that we kind of try and move away from stars because I think it is a kind of symptom of our kind of like consumerist culture. But they are they are interesting when they are that. I think people just, I do, I naturally fall into seeing stars, looking at them and kind of like making that judgment because that's what they're designed there to do. Yeah. And then it's funny when you see posters that just have quotes from reviews and you know they they've obviously picked the best quotes out of maybe a maybe not a not so kind review and found something to love which is great but sam we must talk about fisheye today again we've already said you are the writer of it tell us a little bit about the process of fisheye when did you start writing it and then getting Mm -hmm. to this point today yeah well fisheye is going to be at the Omnibus Theatre, 4th to 9th of July, and it's part of Omnibus Theatre's first ever season of work, which is inspired by artificial intelligence, Right. which is exciting. And like every day you're waking up to a new article about AI and it's it's constantly there. And it's been there like for ages, like stuff like like Blade Runner or like stuff like iRobot with Will Smith, where that's like 20 years ago. So it's always been there, but like, now it's every day it's in our kind of like cultural i don't know mind it's the very much the zeitgeist and so omnibus theater is kind of like collating these four shows and events wraparound events as well and fish eyes is part of it and essentially it's kind of looking well it is it's looking at this couple who enter this ai world which is designed to save humanity so it's kind of in a world where war has caused the whole world to be destroyed all these kind of like big conglomerates, all these kind of companies have drained the world of their natural resources. Yeah. Kind of the seas evaporated. There are no more clouds. The Amazon rainforest is hidden in the past. And so it's kind of taking the idea that, well, why don't we invent a world which can heal itself as soon as it hurts itself? Sure. Which is run by this AI technology called Iona. The story follows this couple entering this world who are basically there to start humanity afresh humanity part two or whatever and it is all kind of going well but then humans being humans and computers not quite understanding humans things start to go a little bit wrong there's a little glitch in the system which grows and grows and it all gradually kind of falls apart as the characters kind of reach for what they really want which doesn't quite match with the kind of binary code of Iona's kind of computer system and it's queer as well it's a queer adaptation of the Adam and Eve story which is really interesting so it's kind of talking about religion sexuality morality where we kind of draw the line between right and wrong whether there is a line so that's kind of the story but it started ages ago at Mount View a couple of years ago right and it's kind of gone on a development process since then kind of taken the same kind of core themes kind of like kept them it's really kind of like grown into a story now which is really exciting I think last time was kind of like a an explosion of ideas yes (laughs) like an atomic bomb of kind of emotion you know I wrote it during the pandemic so I think that was probably what was happening inside me but since then over these past two years it's kind of really developed its own story now so it's kept that kind of like emotional weight 
but it's now kind of like streamlined it a bit more so that it's kind of a bit more accessible. There's something to hook an audience, which is really exciting. And was it an article in lockdown that made you realise that you wanted to write this sort of play? Or was it a play that you were reading? You know, I know that you do a lot of playtext reading groups and stuff like that. So was there an artist or a writer that you really got influenced by when you were writing Fisheye? Yeah, I think I really love the work of Sarah Kane. I think Sarah Kane is insane. Um, And particularly Crave. I think Crave really resonated with me during lockdown. And I'm sure it did with other people as well, Mm. because it was this kind of like purging or like this catharsis of what was going on in someone's head and and I think when you read that or you see that it's kind of really cathartic because you're just like oh someone feels like this as well and I think obviously you kind of you knew everyone was also kind of experiencing the same thing but when it's done in theatre or art it just kind of hooks you on another level and so Mm. I really resonated with Crave and I love Cleansed as well by Sarah Kane as well the whole kind of like canon the Sarah Kane canon is amazing but that kind of particularly inspired me and I was just kind of thinking when I first wrote it about so everyone's kind of isolated in their homes or their flats or whatever and so it took a really basic idea it was kind of like well no one's kind of going out and meeting strangers anymore like no one's interacting anymore no one's like I don't know having sex with strangers anymore like that particular like idea I thought was fascinating and I just thought what's going to happen when suddenly we're like the floodgates are open yeah we're all let loose and we're having sex with strangers if that's your thing people are doing that and so but do you kind of lose that ritual of flirtation kind of flirting by numbers kind of thing like what happens if you completely forget that and kind of have to relearn what it is to meet a stranger or relearn what it is to get what you want from a stranger so I kind of took that idea and put that in Fisher and that kind of gradually developed into this world that it is now which set in the future but still has a hangover from its past which is our present right now which is a world which is seems to be kind of being very much more open towards sexuality and other yeah. demographics and diversity but kind of surreptitiously governments and and systems do have a bias obviously and we all know that and it's kind of worrying to think well if the people that are kind of for example with AI technology if the people that are kind of deciding what that technology is and what it can do those people are the very same people that are essentially defining our way of life and our culture and our society so what happens if that bias kind of infuses that AI technology which will be in control inevitably hopefully not but it seems like it might be so it's kind of talking about that and kind of like who's in control and who's able to make the rules and who do those rules serve most. It's kind of talking about the present day, but it's set in the future in another world, in a dystopian world. As I said earlier, there's a lot going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One hour is still quite an explosion, but at least there's a story. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, we're saying earlier on that every single day it feels like we've got a new article about AI and intelligence. Jobs are probably going to be taken over in the next decade or so. Do you ever worry as a theatre maker that AI could ever take over going back to politics of performing arts? Do you ever worry that it could take over theatre or do you think chat GBT and stuff like that are are not going to affect the way that we make theatre? 
Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think I think it depends how you kind of perceive AI technology. If you kind of look at it as a writer, then yeah. I think yes, it has the potential to make its mark on the theatre industry. But I think the people that kind of have that anxiety now, I think people had a very similar anxiety when the camera was invented, capturing kind of images of people of kind of landscapes which previously were kind of massive beautiful paintings so I think people would have been looking at the camera and thinking that's not art like that's imposing or it's an imposter it's kind of like not the real world or whatever and how normalized that is within us now and so that evolved into moving pictures as well and so we have a new medium which is cinema and film so I think it's kind of that I think it's very much we just don't know what the next 50 years will look like in terms of AI's technology relationship to theatre I think that's what it is I think it's important to keep keep ourselves open to it yes because if we do that then we'll understand it more if we turn our backs to it and reject it then we just won't know what it is we will kind of treat it like an enemy that we don't even know so I think it's important that we do need to be open to it but also like if you think about theatre theatre is literally the most original form of storytelling that there is I literally cannot think of another way that someone can tell a story which is older like I think drawing as well like obviously that's part of it but like with drawing you're using a tool to tell your story so people before tools people had voices people had bodies and so that is theatre that is performance so I think theatre is literally the most surviving form of art I think, in my opinion, someone can say, no, it's not, or whatever. But I literally can't think of anything else. So I think I think we're fine because it has survived, like, for millennia. And it's only recently that cinema's been invented and whatever. So it's that's quite a new kind of, like, medium of ours. I think we just need to be open to it. Yeah. We can't reject it. We need to embrace yeah. it. Because, again, yeah, again absolutely. we're saying, we're saying it's like the it. enemy, but we don't really know what it can do at the moment. I think there are certain plays happening uh, this year or maybe it's early next year where they're using chat GPT and stuff like that to make a play and obviously we'll then find out it's like early version of like what that can create in theatre. It's like we're making it the enemy when we don't really even know what, what it can really do, or what its potential exactly. Yeah, and it's like turning, it's like being a playwright. So take me, for example, being a playwright. And it's a little bit like me going to Alaki Blythe being like, you're not a playwright. You don't write the words kind of thing because yeah. she does verbatim work. So it's yeah. kind of a little bit like that. Kind of like, you you know, you're not a writer where actually she very much is a playwright because she's writing all these words yeah. as in the kind of verb writing as in to rot rather than actual writing words. So it's kind of that as well. But I think that's what this AI festival at Olibus is doing. It, there's really interesting plays and one of them is a kind of improvisation show Mm. which is kind of using an AI robot as another kind of performer which is really interesting but that's kind of what the festival is about it's it's not accepting it it's not rejecting it it's just asking questions about it because it's the first of its kind so I think it's important to just ask questions I think that's what theatre does anyway isn't it like ask questions of it it's not a writer's job to impose an opinion or kind of lecture it's very much to ask a question for the audience to consider answers so i think that's what it's doing and i think it'll be really interesting i think it'll be really exciting yeah so sam let's move back to the present then or just in the near future when fish eyes on at the omnibus theater what can people expect coming into the theater and what would you like them to take away from the show oh yeah good questions good questions for people to expect i think 
to expect I think everything that I write I don't really know how to define it but it's kind of I call it hyper theatre which I think probably in actual terms means kind of expressionistic epic quite a lot like that and so it's quite it's very theatrical some of it's quite camp some of it's very performative because I like to kind of like use theatre to tell a story so I think expect a spectacle in a way but I don't want to make people think that it's like Cirque du Soleil it's not that it's not that I can't do that but it's theatrical it's it's like really exciting theatre and it's using all the different kind of like forms of theatre because I like writing things that can't be a film or a TV like screenplay or a radio play. I like writing for theatre and for it to be absorbed within the room with like however many other people. So I think expect that, expect a show. And to take away, I don't really know what I want people to take away. I think that's what I'm really interested in when, when I write. I think like when I'm dramaturging other writers, I always ask kind of like, what do you want people to be thinking about? Like during the show, after the show, whatever. But to take away, I, I don't really know. I don't really know. I think it's kind of, it's an okay answer to say, I don't know what I want people to take away. I think that's fine because if I say I want people to like have this or like believe that when they leave, then that's kind of me imposing something on them. And I don't think that's my job. So essentially, I think my answer to your question is what I want people to take away is their own opinion, which has been sparked by what I've written yeah. and their and a, a feeling or a thought or a question or an answer, something that was kind of created within them from experiencing what I've written. I think that's what I want them to take away because whatever that is will be real and it will be organic and it will be from them. I think that's really important. And I'm just really interested to hear what that is. I'll be in the bar kind of like thinking, so how are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be very much that. And so, Sam, my final question about Fisheye is just who else is on the team? Tell us, you know, our creative and our cast on stage for this show yes so good question that's pretty important so the cast are really lovely they're such brilliant actors we've got flora douglas playing murphy we've got rory aldington who's playing alex they're the kind of central couple that are kind of entering this world with the kind of burden of restarting humanity on them and then we've got claire noy who's playing fee who is this character who kind of looks at their relationship and thinks actually and kind of talks to Murphy and is just kind of like I think your life could be a little bit better I think you're right for Alex but I don't think Alex is right for you what about me kind of thing so it's kind of asking what if Eve didn't want Adam what if Eve actually wanted something a bit more exciting than a man for example what if she wanted a woman what if she's sexually attracted to a woman Claire Noy is kind of playing that kind of devil character She's playing the kind of like, because I think the Adam and Eve story and all kind of like biblical stories are really kind of simplified down into kind of like archetypes or these characters. And so I'm just thinking kind of like, what about the devil? Like, they can't be that bad. Like, why are they like that? Like, what do they want? And so Claire Noy is kind of playing that character, which is really interesting. And it's really lovely kind of like watching them tackle it in the rehearsal room. And that's the cast in the space. And then we have My Vice, who is playing Iona, which is the AI technology. Yeah. And she has the most phenomenal voice ever. She was really? in the original at Mount View. And she's returning to be Iona this time at Omnibus. And just hearing, I heard it for the first time last night, her recording. 
and just hearing her voice just sends like chills down your spine because it's just so imposing and and so so beautiful but also kind of horrifically nightmarish as well how she's done it so she also plays Iona and then the creative team so me I'm the writer Sam and then I've got Rosa Higgs as the director we also have an assistant director called Josh Bryant Jones and then Alice Eve as the co-producer with me I'm also producing it we've got Hans Sales who is designing the lights as well who is also designing all the lights for the whole festival so they've got a big job yeah that's the creative team great that it sounds like a fantastic creative team and obviously i'm coming to see the show so i'm really excited to hear iona's voice it's very very exciting well sam that's fisheye which runs from the 4th until the 9th of july this year at the Omnibus Theatre. We'll have all the ticket information in our episode bio. So Sam, I've got two final questions for you. I know that you're probably dreading the last question because you probably still haven't thought of where your stagey place is. So I'll give you a little bit further time whilst you answer the first question, which is your advice that you may have for writers or potential dramaturgs if they want to join the industry. And so Sam, what would your advice be for aspiring writers or dramaturgs themselves? It's hard. This industry is really hard to get into because it is oversubscribed. There's so many of us in here, but also that's what makes it really great and and fun and exciting. So what, what to writers, I think... In terms of writing, I always kind of like ask the question, kind of like, what do you care about? Like, what do you, what is important to you? And what's the story that you want to tell, I think? And that's that's really important because I think everyone knows what they want to write about. Like, I want to write about religion or like, I want to write about AI technology or something. And if you ask writers about their plays, you kind of like, so what is this? What You know, what is this play? They'll more often than not reply with what it's about. That's really interesting. That's really important. Obviously, it's really important to know. But in terms of from an audience perspective, it's kind of like, what is the story? Like, what what happens? What happens in this play? And I, I think that's really important to kind of like think about. Like, what's the story that you want to tell? And what really kind of sparks something inside of you, which you feel like is important enough to share to 500 people in a week or something? Like, what is the change that you want to make during that? And kind of how can theatre do that to your story? Like what I said earlier, like, why is it not a film? Why is it not a screenplay or a radio play? Why is it theatre? I think that's really important to know. But also, I think with writers, just kind of like ask people for coffees. It sounds such a simple thing. And with some theatres, it is hard to do because theatres are really busy. There's not enough kind of like resources or time or whatever. So it is hard to do that sometimes. But I think meeting either... People like me, literary officer, omnibus theatre, I love meeting kind of like writers and people like that. So I think just kind of like emailing or messaging on Twitter or whatever, but also just messaging other writers. I think it's really important. Like what I was saying about catharsis, seeing something that that you identify with, it's really Mm. important to kind of like just talk to another writer and kind of like be like, yeah, I'm feeling that too. I'm struggling too. And then you, when you get over that, it's kind of like, oh, it's not that bad. Like this is just what this industry is and this is what being a writer is. And it's hard sometimes, but it's only hard because it really pays off. I mean, it's, it's really hard thinking of one thing to give to a writer. I think at the moment I'm in writer mode. Yeah. So I think my head is scrambled. So ask me in like, three weeks time when fish eye is over then i'll have better advice when i'm in dramaturg literary officer mode but in terms of advice for dramaturgs again similar i think talk to writers off to read their stuff i host kind of like a play reading group once a month at omnibus 
And that just kind of encourages us to kind of think critically about a play, just kind of like look at the structure, look at the writing, look at the story, look at the themes and how is that told by the writer. So I think just reading, 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 seeing plays, offering to read other people's plays as well, working with people, just kind of like make friends, make connections, make friends, because we are the next generation of theatre. So we might as well be friends with each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful, Sam. Thanks so much for that piece of advice. And absolutely, yeah, you never know when other people's paths are going to cross, right? So it's really important. And a lot of people's advice when we've interviewed writers has also been just get in contact, ask for coffees and stuff, you know, more than likely people will say yes, you know, if you're asking for like half an hour or an hour just to pick someone's brains, it is really important that we do collaborate because that's also the biggest thing about theatre right we're collaborating all the time and it's always nice to be able to hear other people's viewpoints on how they write or direct or design a show for example I think it's really important so thanks for that Sam I've got one final question for you it's a question that we always ask as you know as a guest host on the podcast we always ask this question as the final question on the podcast it's the title of this podcast the stagey place and the question is where your stagey places Sam so obviously this could be one of the people that has inspired you throughout your career it could be where you were reading the Sarah Kane plays over lockdown or you know before lockdown it could be the omnibus theatre where you work but also are bringing fisheye it could be the foyer of a theatre where you're waiting to go and see a show or it could be the rehearsal room it could literally be anywhere and Sam I know that so many of these places you probably go to every single week so your mind must be scrambled to pick one place in particular but I'm going to ask you Sam Pal, whereabouts is your stagey place? Okay, so I've got two stage places and they're both very opposite to each other. I think when I'm in reading mode, when I'm reading like, I don't know, a published play or um, a writer's play who I'm dramaturging, working with, I think I need to kind of be in a really snuggly place just so like whether that's kind of a really nice place is Joe and the Juice in Soho, the little cellar downstairs. Yeah. That's really snuggly because you just kind of like sit in the cave and you like feel like the whole of London is just walking above your head and you're just like not seen. But I think that's a nice place when I'm reading just so that I can just immerse myself in whatever world I'm kind of figuring out when I'm reading a play. But then when I'm writing, I think, I need to be in quite an uncomfortable place. As in, what do I mean by that? I think like a busy um, restaurant and like loads yeah, of noise. Yeah, just kind of like somewhere where there's a bit of life that isn't too distracting, but that is a bit so that I can people watch for a bit. But somewhere that isn't quiet, somewhere that has energy, I think. That is somewhere that I can't like settle into or snuggle into. Somewhere that has an energy, which is a constant energy where it's moving, where there are people like interacting or whatever. I think that's really interesting. And I think I think I use that energy to feed off when I'm writing. Because yeah. I think as soon as I kind of like snuggle into my chair, I will stop writing and I yeah. will start doing Like those benches at the National Theatre where they don't have the back on the bench. So you've kind of always got to be yeah. like in here. Rather yeah. than... But even so, I think the National Theatre is a little bit too comfy. Like it's too quiet. It's too library-like. It is nice. I think the, the kind of bottom floor is nice. But I yeah. think just like simple as a pret 
or a Starbucks yes. or something really basic. Cafes are really nice. And it has to have internet. Yeah, it has yes. to have internet. <laughs> it has to have a decent Wi-Fi. Um, and where to charge your laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wi-Fi plug. Yeah, okay. So my stage place is somewhere that has Wi-Fi plugs and that has an energy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of like a human energy. That's what I need. Great. Well, Sam, thank you so much for your stage places. I'm sure that everybody can possibly relate to that. Even though I was talking about the National theatre as writing i did then think they've actually not got many places to charge laptops unless you're sat on those really cushioned bit of the benches like i don't know why they haven't put anything underneath those long tables where everyone's having meetings all the time <laughs> yeah i think it stopped people moving in because i yeah. think you can really easily move international without anyone knowing <laughs> well sam thank you so much for coming on to the stage of place once again today we've been talking about fisheye which is written by you sam pout and is going to be at the Omnibus Theatre from the 4th until the 9th of July. I'm coming to see the show whilst it's on for its run, and I'm very excited to come and see it after talking with you today. Again, you are one of the hosts of The Stage Place as well. You've done some incredible podcast episodes for us as well, so I just want to thank you as well whilst we're having this interview for that too. But Sam, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you, Elliot. Have a lovely day. You too. And there we go, that was this week's episode with writer and our occasional host, Sam Pelt. I'd love to thank Sam so much for coming on to the podcast, for talking about Fisheye, which once again is at the Omnibus Theatre from the 4th until the 9th of July as part of their first season focusing on artificial intelligence. Also, if you're listening to this episode on the day of release, on the 29th of June, you'll be excited to hear that Sam will be doing an Instagram takeover on Monday the 3rd of July, ahead of Fisheye happening at the Omnibus Theatre. Of course, if you're also listening to this episode, in a couple of weeks time you'll be able to look back at that takeover on our memory section on our instagram page just search at the stagey place and that's it for this week's episode so once again i'd love to thank sam so much for coming on to the podcast and i'd love to thank you the listener for tuning in to this week's episode we're very shortly going to be announcing all of our guests for this year's edinburgh fringe specials so do make sure you are following us on our social media TikTok, Twitter and Instagram at The Stagey Place. And so, until next time, my name's been Elliot. You've been listening to The Stagey Place. I hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye. <laughs>